Hello, Praise Chapel Paramount. This is Roxanne from Restoration Life Church. I had the honor of ministering at your Arise Women's Discipleship out of Isaiah 61. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I talked about a positional change that you have to arise and position yourself in Christ in order to shine. And the second part of that message was to shine with the light of Christ and of the gospel to diffuse this light to others. I hope you enjoy this message. I am so honored to be back at Mama's house. I really, really am. We were here not too long ago with my husband and it feels like we haven't been here like forever. So it's like all these new faces and, you know, um, this is where we were planted out of. My kids grew up here at Paramount Church since they were like little, little tiny ones. And so um, this is my heart. It was, it was hard leaving, but um, the, just being obedient to the Lord and, um, and all that he had in store for our lives, we were able to see just a tremendous move of God through, you know, throughout the years and building new friendships and relationships and seeing get, get people getting saved and set free is just the most beautiful thing. So, you know, uh, Pastor Letty sharing that is just so true because I'm, in the, I'm on the same boat with her. It's like sometimes I, I'm like looking at the calendar and things that are coming up and I just start, I feel like this overwhelming anxiety kind of thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, but um, we've kind of slowed down a little bit now because, you know, we're old now. We're 50. <laughs> my husband says that he's 50, I'm 50, so we keep it 100. That's what he said. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> anyways, let's get right into it. But anyways, I'm excited because it is the launch of your Arise Women's Ministry. And I am so honored to be able to open it up. So, of course, the title of our message is Arise and Shine. And we are going to look um, at your key scripture, which is Isaiah 60, um, verse 1. I'm going to read um, verse 1 through 2. So, let me get right into it. So, it says, um, Isaiah 60, 1 through 2, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. And thick darkness, the peoples, but the, gosh, I need to make these words bigger. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness, the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I am so grateful to be here in your presence, Lord God, because your word says we're two more gathered. You are here in our midst, Father, and your daughters have come expecting with an open heart for you to move on their behalf. So, Father, we ask that you pour out your spirit, that you minister to us, that you have your way, and that we step aside and let you do what you want to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I just really, during the, the, the worship time, I just really felt like a shifting in what I'm, I'm going to do here. So it might change, and we might just go into an altar call. I just felt this... I don't know. I just I just felt the Holy Spirit really kind of tugging at my heart in that. But I'm going to be obedient, but let's just, let's just get started. So arise and shine. Seems like a simple and easy thing to do, but the reality is this day and age, there are so many Christian women that are living in slumber. They are asleep spiritually. <clears throat> I'm going to read a quote by Charles Spurgeon. And, and when I read this quote, I was just like rocked. I'm like, wow. 
So true. It's called an arousing call. There are some Christians who have wasted a large part of their lives for want of somebody or something to wake them up. There is more evil wrought in the world by want of thought than by downright malice. And there is more good left undone through want of thought than through any aversion to the doing of good. Some Christians appear to have been born in the land of slumber, and they continually live in their native country of dreams. They rub their eyes occasionally and suppose themselves to be wide awake, but they are in the enchanted ground. And though they know it not, they are little better than sleepwalkers most of their days. That was, that's pretty powerful. But the reality that that's, that's what's happening today with the women in churches, Christian women that are asleep, in slumber, sleepwalkers. So let's get right into Isaiah 61, and let's read verse 1 in its context, and then we'll look at a personal application as we go into um, the New Testament and um, parallel it with, with a couple of scriptures. So Isaiah 61 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Who is the you in that passage? Who is the passage addressed to? It is addressed to Zion, a name in its context for the city of Jerusalem. The prophet Zechariah said that God would make Jerusalem a burdensome stone that the nations would stumble over. And if you turn on the news or if you've seen, you know, um, past uh, news articles and stuff, we see the old issue of Jerusalem time and time again. The Palestinians want it. Islam wants it. The Jews ob obviously see it as their capital, even if the rest of the world doesn't even acknowledge it. And the nations have fought over it for centuries. Jesus said, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And if we look at the scripture, it paints a picture of Zion being like a sleeping woman in the dust-bound prostate position in a low, dejected state and, condi and condition in which she has long laid. And then if we jump back um, a chapter before in Isaiah 52.1, Zion is exhorted to rise from the dust, throw off her bonds, and assert her freedom. God will deliver her from this third captivity for his namesake, which her oppressors blaspheme. And can you see the resemblance to, the lie, to, to our lives when we heard the gospel? The first time that we heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, we were like Zion. We were in the low and dejected state and condition, in sin and brokenness, until Jesus Christ came into the picture and we heard the gospel for the first time. It was a beckoning, a call to arise out of that slumber. Let's look at the personal application going into the New Testament and looking at scriptures that, of that um, prophecy fulfilled. If you're taking notes, my first point is arise. Positional change is vital. You have to arise and position yourself in Christ to shine. I'm going to read a definition of what arise means. To emerge, become apparent, come to light. The second part is get up or stand up. But what came to, um, uh, that stood out to me in that definition is actually the first part of it where it says emerge, become apparent, or come to light. And when I think about that, I think about our minds. Because it's not only a spiritual awakening for us to arise, to shine, but our minds, the way we think. 
because we know that the battle that the enemy wages against us is a, a lot of the times it's the mind. It's our way of thinking. It's the thought process. It's the things that come into our, our, our thoughts and then we allow it to continue to fester and continue to grow. And we, we create this huge drama by one simple seed that the enemy plants. So when I look at um, the definition of arising to come to light, it reminds me of our minds being awakened. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So when we look at the definition of arise and we think about come to light or your mind and your thoughts coming to light, meaning you're bringing captive to the obedience of Christ. And that's whenever the enemy plays on, on our thoughts, we have to bring our thoughts captive, right? What God commands, we can now do, for he enables us in Jesus Christ. Just as dead Lazarus came forth from the tomb in response to the word of Christ, so we are made alive when the light of the gospel comes to us. The light of the gospel awakens us from that slumber. Are you still walking in grave clothes? When we, when we look at that, that quote of Charles Spurgeon, said that we are like mere sleepwalkers, or some are like mere sleepwalkers. The truth is that there are women around us that are still walking in grave clothes. They have a shallow Christianity, a shallow Christianity. They attend church, but their lives are not reflecting Christ. They do not know the word of God. They do not know the word of God. Believe it or not, there are women sitting in our churches that do not know the word of God and have been saved for a very long time. That's heartbreaking. I'm baffled that I see women in my church <laughs> or, or the Lord's church um, still dealing with the same things over and over and over again. And, and it's, it's, it's not things like, um, I mean, like serious battles that they go through. I'm talking about petty things. I'm talking about gossip. I'm talking about talking about somebody else. And, 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 and these are people in ministry, you know, the same circle of women that seems like there's always drama. You know, I'm baffled and I don't understand how someone experiencing an awakening in Christ and still dealing with stuff like that. It doesn't make sense to me. Jesus is calling us out to arise and come forth. When we submit to him, calling us out of the slumber and to remove the grave clothes, we position ourselves to shine. Positional change is vital. Position yourself in Christ to shine. Now let me read for you really quick. Um, sorry, I lost my place here. Now, don't hate me after this, because if you know me, I love, love, love decor. I love to decorate. I'm a visual person. I love all the girly stuff. I love, I'm, I mean, conferences, you know, everything about the women's ministry. It's, it's exciting. I like to prepare for it and make it beautiful and have the photo walls and flowers and the whole works. But the reality is, ladies, 
that's not enough. You see videos of happy women excited to be in the house of the Lord, but we don't realize that they're sleepwalking. So many women in that midst are sleepwalking. You know, we have to prepare the women, the young women in our churches in Christ through the word of God. We need to teach them because just coming to a women's event, just coming to um, uh, all, the, all the women's conferences and it's all fun and it's cute and we dress up and we take our pictures, but there's no depth in their walk with the Lord. And so it is so important that we as women of God are preparing the next generation. So in order to do that, we have to change. We have to position ourselves with Christ so that we can shine. Because if we're not doing that, if, if, if we're not reflecting that, then everyone that, that follows us or that we know or that we're trying to disciple are not going to see any fruit of that. It's a scary thought that so many women do not know or study the word of God. The word of God is what will illuminate our spirit to walk in the light of Christ. We cannot live on just daily devotions, ladies, fun women events, and Sunday services. We cannot depend on just that. There's just so much more, so much more. Empowerment comes when we know his word when we defend his word, when we live his word, and when we grow in his word. That's the empowerment that we're going to have and, and able to empower other women is going to be through the word of God. In John 8, 12, it says, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So many women in this day that are walking in darkness. In, in our churches are, are still walking in darkness. Let me, just, um, let me just throw in a plug for PBI, right? PCBI. PCBI. Now, I don't know the statistics. I don't know the, uh, you know, how many people have gone through uh, PCBI or have attended that or anything like that. Not very many? Not enough. Okay. I'd like to challenge the women here of Paramount. And even if you're not, if you're not in Paramount, you can drive. Because I was considering before, now we have RLU at our church. But before that, I was considering driving out here to attend it. So if you're not part of, um, of the Paramount Fellowship, you could still come out and, and take that course. I challenge you to take that course. One of the things that we do at, at our church is um, if you're going to get involved in a leadership position, that you have to take the RLU class. You know, all three classes, right? So all three classes. Um, Carmen is one of our teachers. She does the apologetics class. So. Um, so that is so important to us. So I challenge you that if you haven't taken that course, take it. Know the word of God. Know the word of God. Study the word of God. The second thing that I want to, um, the second point is shine. Now we, we just, we talk about arise. Now we're going to talk about shine. With the light of Christ and of the gospel. Diffuse this light to others. To shine is to be bright. Send out rays of light. Be bright by reflecting light. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts 
to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Light shall shine out of darkness. And we think about the moon, and some of you probably, you know, went to school, so you should know this. Some of you that didn't pay attention, maybe you don't know this. But the moon is one of the things we see that shines bright, right, at night. We need the moon. But research show that the moon doesn't have light. So when you see this beautiful, big, bright moon illuminated, it's actually not its own light. It's actually dark. It's a very, very dark, like charcoal dark. And it is a reflection uh, of the sun. The moon does not have its own light, but still shines because it is positioned. That, there's that key word. It is positioned in such a way as to reflect the light of the sun. In fact, there is an eclipse if the moon is not positioned properly. And rather than reflect and shine, it causes darkness. Do you see the importance of positioning yourself? So, so it has to be positioned right in order to reflect the sun and to be able to illuminate or else we get the eclipse. I would also say that even diamonds don't have their own light, but they glow as ray of light that reflect on them when they are positioned in the light. So we look at a, a diamond as this rock that is so valuable um, women love diamonds, <laughs> and they're, they're, you know, chiseled, and they're, you know, created into that, that beautiful diamond that we see, but it has no light. You know, we see it sparkle, and we see it shine, and we see it illuminated, and it's beautiful, but it has nothing to do of its own. It's actually a reflection of light that creates that beauty, and that's a, a perfect picture of you and I. We have no light. We have no light of our own. But it is the light of Christ in us. We reflect the light of Christ. And that takes place by how we position ourselves. What we call darkness is the absence of light. I have never seen anywhere when the light is turned on that the darkness would debate whether to leave or not. The darkness can't debate. It has to leave. In 1 John 1, 5 through 7, it says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We are not to walk in darkness, right? If we say that we are of Christ, then we shouldn't be walking in darkness any longer. You know, one of the things that, um, it's not in my notes, but I'll just share really quick. Um, when, when I was younger, um, I would say maybe about eight years old, you know, part of my testimony, some of you probably already heard it, but um, I was molested at around eight years old. And... Um, by an uncle. And so that took place. My family member didn't know there was a lot of shame. I went through um, a lot of things emotionally, physically. Um, I actually got like a nervous tick from it every time I was in, in the presence of family members and he was there. Um, I'd get this nervous tick. Um, so it was, it was a very, very traumatic time for me. And around kind of the, the age of 18, I, I can't even remember how it happened, but it came out. 
Um, and then my family found out about it. So, of course, they were devastated why they didn't know when I was younger. Um, whenever my cousin, whenever I wanted to go and play with my cousin, the first thing that I would ask her, is your dad home? And she would say, no, he's at work. So then I'm like, okay. Then I felt, you know, at peace that I can go and go play with my, my cousin. And then we would lose track of time. And he would show up from work. And then immediately that fear and that, you know, that nerve and just everything that comes along with it. And fast forward, um, I was already married, and, um, I, and I remember my life when I gave my life to the Lord. And every step that I took to draw closer to the Lord, to pray for things, to let go of things, to, um, to plead with the Lord, to change areas of my life. And I specifically remember a time that I was praying. I was at the altar, and I remember it so clearly. And I began to pray for my uncle. And I begin to pray for myself that whatever happened, that I could let this go, that I can forgive and that I can move forward. And I immediately felt something take place. It was just, it was so like, um, I, I would even use the term um, like supernatural because I felt it. I, it was like I got up and I'm like, oh, I ran to pastor. I go, pastor, I go, I'm free. And he's like, you know, yeah, you are. I go, no, but you don't understand. Like, I felt, I felt like something break. I'm like, I'm free. And so fast forward a couple years more, I remember um, my cousin um, bought a house, and, and, you know, she's married. And, and so um, I wanted to go see her house. I was really excited for her. And it was interesting because as I was on the way with my husband, she tells me, oh, I just want to let you know that my uh, my dad is here. So obviously she knew something. I was like, okay. Um, I kind of had a feeling that um, something happened with her and her dad as well. So it just, you know, it never came out, but it, I, I just, I just sensed it. So anyways, I'm like, my heart kind of sank, but then I just took a deep breath. I'm like, no, I, I'm free. And so I'm like, I'm not going to be afraid, to, you know, to face this. Cause naturally I think I would have been like, I'm not going there. I don't want to see him. But um, I did. I went in. I said hello. I, you know, I, I saw her house. I left, and there was just such a tremendous peace, such a tremendous peace. And I say that because today I am still walking in that freedom. I have no, no um, a type of, um, uh, what, what would I call it, like um, bondage to that unforgiveness or fear, or every type of emotion that's connected to something like that that happens to someone that's so young. So I, I feel like there's no residue. There's no residue of that. I am completely free. And I tell you this not to boast, is that I positioned myself. I positioned myself in Christ for his light to shine in the darkest areas of my life. In order for me to be free, I had to allow him to expose the darkest areas of my life. So darkness had to flee. Darkness had to flee. It had no place there. Because wherever light is, darkness can't exist. So because Christ was living in me, and I positioned myself that every day, everything that, that the Lord will reveal to me that I needed to let go or that I needed to change, I was like, I, I had to do it. So I believe that that was a, a complete result of that, that I positioned myself to let go of what was hindering me in the past, the insecurities, the fears, the everything that comes along with this. I said, I'm not going to live this way because 
now that I have this freedom in Christ, I shouldn't be walking in this any longer. I should be completely free from that. So in Isaiah 61, we read, Arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord is upon you. And here's the personal application. It is interesting to see in the New Testament where this verse is quoted. And it is in Ephesians 5, 8 through 17. Paul uses it without directly quoting it. So he doesn't directly quote Isaiah 61, but he does say this. I'm going to read um, 8 through 17. I'm going to skip maybe like one, one, one or two verses. But Ephesians 5, 8 through 10 first, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the, in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all. Oh, shoot. For the fruit, <laughs> next time I'm bringing my reading glasses. For the fruit of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Then Ephesians 5:13 through 17 it says, "But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason." It says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. You see the parallel there? We got, we got the, in context, he's talking to Zion. He's talking to Jerusalem, right? It's, it's a prophetic word of the coming of the Lord that he's going to bring that light, that he's going to deliver her. And here we see it in Ephesians, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ shall shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Because the days are evil, says, then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul starts by reminding his readers that they were once darkness. Now note, he didn't say that we were once in darkness. He says we were once darkness. That's crazy. That is a description from God's point of view before the light shines in our hearts. But now we are the light. So continue to walk in this light and you will shine. In verses 14 through 17 tells us to wake up, rise, and Christ will shine on you. If you say that you are a Christian and claim the name of Christ, then your life should reflect something of him. But sometimes we fall into a spiritual slumber. We just go through the motions and fill our lives with so many things. Jesus, sometimes it is not even easy to tell that you are slumbering. The command here is based in Isaiah 61 is to wake up, rise, and shine. Rise and shine. Many times that we don't even realize that we're in there some. And I'm going to be completely honest. I've been there. I've been there for many years where I've gotten so busy in the doing that I didn't spend time in the Lord. I didn't spend time in his word. I didn't spend time even praying. Everything became emotion. Like what I talked about earlier in the scripture. The Holy Spirit had to bring that to me and had to draw me out of that place. You know, one of the prayers every morning when I get up is, Lord, search my heart. If there is anything that doesn't please you, reveal that to me. Because I want my life to please him. 
So when he revealed those things to me, I was so convicted because as I, how can I be walking as a Christian woman in ministry? This is before I became a pastor. And not spending time in the Lord, not knowing the word of God, that's only going to last for a certain amount of time. It's not going to last forever. And, and I'm not downing da daily devotionals. Trust me. I think that they're beautiful. But in addition to, that's, that's in addition to, you have to get into the word of God. That is your sword, ladies. That is what it's going to get us through because, you know what? This, it talks about, scripture talks about the darkness. We are living in some dark times. We are going through some very, very dark times. I mean, you see it all over social media. I mean, just everything with, with politics and the things that are happening in this world. You can't even correct somebody because they're offended about everything. And that's kind of the day and age that we're living in. That even in the church, you can't even correct somebody because they're offended. You can't talk about sin. Right? You can't talk about any of those things. All they want to hear is something that's encouraging. They want to hear something that's going to get them through the next day. Something encouraging. Something sweet. You know, the love of God. And, and yes, God is love. Jesus is love. But there's more to that. There's just more to that. We have to know and we need to be convicted we need to know when we are in the wrong. And somebody that loves us should be able to tell us if we're wrong. If we're going to rise up women and empower women to really live a life that reflects the Lord, then we should be able to correct. We should be able to teach. We should be able to show them the way. But we cannot show them the way if we ourselves are not reflecting Christ. We ourselves are not reflecting the light. It's a good question to ask yourself. T take an inventory. It's so important to take an inventory of your life. If you're married, ask your spouse. Hey, <laughs> do an inventory of my life. Tell me what things that you see, you know. It could be an attitude. It could be a lot of, a lot of you know, different little things. But if we, are, if we align ourselves and position ourselves like the moon, to the sun, we'll shine. We'll shine. We have to raise up a generation of women that know the word of God. Because they're going to keep coming in. The women, of, the women are going to keep coming in. They have to see something genuine. They have to see something genuine and real and something that's going to last forever. Not something temporary. Do they see your life that one day you can be doing good and you could be, you know, uh, uh, posting a scripture on Instagram. Again, I'm not against that. We can post scriptures and stuff. But are we living it? Because very easily we can post this, our coworkers, our, our, uh, it could be a sibling, it could be a family member. They see the quotes, they see us going to church, and then another day we can just be tripping. And I'm talking about like big time tripping, not just like, you know, you have a bad day. I'm talking about big time tripping. If you go through something and you're at a bar getting drunk, you know, and then you're back on church on Sunday, and it's just this vicious circle. There hasn't been a transformation. I, I, if, if Christ is in our hearts, and, and, and we read the scriptures about darkness, 
light and darkness can't be in the same place. If we are truly reflecting Christ, then we shouldn't be dealing this, with the same things that we dealt with when we first got saved. We shouldn't be. And if we are, then we have to ask ourselves, am I positioned in Christ to reflect the beautiful light of Christ? There's something that takes place when you study the word of God. When you truly study the word of God from beginning to end, when you go deeper and you begin to understand the attributes of God and understand who he is and his love, because, because we can quote it, yeah, God loves us, yeah, God loves me, God loves you, but to truly, truly know his love and to experience that in such an abundance is, is so powerful and if you've gotten to that point where you've truly um, experienced that love and understand who he is, you don't want to do the same things that you used to. There is no way that you want to walk in that darkness or continue to dabble in that darkness. There has to be a separation. There has to be a change. Let me read this again. In Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. We are supposed to disciple women. We are supposed to take women under our wings and to love them and to show them the way. We can't give them this shallow Christianity, ladies. They can't see that in our lives. They can't see shallow Christianity, that we're just church attenders and we're here and we're having fun. There has to be a foundation. There has to be depth in their growth spiritually. And in order for us to do that is that we have to reflect Christ. And when we do that, you begin to ignite that light into someone else because now they've positioned themselves to reflect Christ. It doesn't happen right away. It takes time. But it's going to take you and I to be able to teach them and to show them and to walk with them and to correct them, right? I want, um, or the worship team can go ahead and come forward. But I just want to take a moment to just illustrate the power of the reflection of Christ's love in our lives and how it can impact someone else. It's something that we deposit into someone else. Not, not us personally, but we deposit what we have into someone else. What we reflect, Christ. If we're reflecting something bad, then they see that. They pick up on them. They think these things are okay. But if we're reflecting Christ and his light and they see that, then that's what they're going to take in and that's what they're going to that's how they're going to grow. I want you to take out your phones real quick. And pull out your flashlight and just just keep it in your lap. And if I can have the the lights turned down. And this is just kind of an illustration of what we do when we touch another person's life by the way that we live. If we are light and we impart light through Christ by the example, 
you're going to see what's going to take place in this world and in this community. If I'm reflecting the light of Christ and I reach someone else with that light, they receive that light and they shine. She then in return touches someone else and so forth. That person touches that person. That person reflects the image of Christ. And we begin to reach out in our communities. We begin to reach out in our family. We begin to show others who Christ is in our life by the way that we live. And it keeps going on. Touch the person next to you. Begin to touch the person next to you and lift your light. Do you see how that light spreads? It's nothing in us, ladies. There's, it's nothing about us, nothing special about us. But who is in us? Who is in us is what's going to bring that change. Who is in us? Christ Jesus. As we begin to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and begin to share by the life that we live, you begin to spread and it begins to expand. And lives are changed because of the foundation the foundation that was built on the word of God. So when the storms hit, when darkness comes, because being a Christian, being a woman of God, doesn't, it doesn't take away from us going through things. We're going to go through things. Some of us have gone through some horrific things in our lives. Very, very difficult things. But even in the midst of that darkness, even in the midst of the most difficult time in our life, we can still reflect the love of Christ. We can still reflect the light of this world. It is a perfect example that no matter what happens, no matter what difficulties we face, no matter what darkness we faced, that we are on the solid rock. That his light will illuminate us in that dark place. Just like a beacon of hope. When we're in that storm and we're tossed to and fro, there's that beacon of hope lighting the way. Because he will never leave us or forsake us. He is there to see us through. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.